Today on Let's Talk Limbic Sparks, I'm with Kate Venn, Senior Director of Corporate Communications and Social Responsibility at Brady Corporation, a global leader in safety identification and compliance solutions for a diverse range of workplaces. I'm Kevin Perlmutter, Chief Strategist and Founder of Limbic Brand Evolution, a brand strategy and neuromarketing consultancy that taps into emotional insight to strengthen connections between brands and people. The limbic system part of our brain supports emotion, motivation, behavior, and memory. And I'm curious how my guests are creating what I call limbic sparks, which happen when emotional motivation meets brand desire. I love talking with brand leaders who are turning emotional insight into a competitive advantage to drive business growth for the brands that they serve. Kate, thank you so much for joining me today. And let's talk limbic sparks. Awesome. I'm excited to be here. Kate, it's so great to talk with you. How are you today? I'm fantastic. It's Friday. Um, had a good week, so I'm ready to do this. That is wonderful. You know, we've gotten to know each other a bit over the last few years, and I always sense the positivity that you bring to any discussion. So I'm curious, what motivates you and fuels your energy? Um, I think what I'm doing here, I like to think that it matters to people. Um, even if I'm making a little bit of a difference, um, a lot of my work is internally focused in our company. Um, and, you know, we spend a lot of time at work. And so I hope that the people who are here um, feel like it's a good place for them to be. And so so part of what motivates me is that I, I hope what I'm doing matters. Um, the other piece of it is I'm surrounded by really smart hardworking people. And I think when you have that around you, it's kind of hard not to rise to the occasion. And I'm curious about the relationships that you have with people. Uh, what what values do you look for in those who you stay closest with? You know, I, obviously people who are their authentic self. And, you know, you've met my family, you've met my parents, my dad. Um, they've always looked for the good in people, even mm -hmm. if they're not perfect. Um, you know, you like people in spite of themselves is what my dad's always impressed mm, on me. Saying it. <laughs> <laughs> and I've tried to do, I try to do the same. I hope people would do the same for me. Um, and so I do, I try to do the same for other people. Um, I, I might struggle with people in a certain, you know, area, but I know that at the end of the day, we're all working towards the same goal. Um, and so I, I think, I think it's that, that I try to see, um, in terms of values that other people have. I really enjoy being with people who are funny and smart and quick-witted. Um, those aren't values or more attributes, but I think that's important. Um, and then I think that's the people who check in on you. Um, we've had conversations here lately around inclusion and allyship. And one of the things that's come up is um, just checking in on someone at the end of the day. How are you? Are, are things going okay? And I think that's an important quality. Wow, that is so awesome to hear. And I, I love how so much of what you're about emanates out of your wonderful family <laughs> who I've gotten to know so well, which I love. Um, you know, brands have a way of instinctively conveying meaning and association. And so people can get a little bit of a better understanding of what you're all about. Can you describe yourself, but doing so by naming a few brands that paint a picture of what you're all about? I'm going to go with Chewy, the online pet store um because I'm a huge animal lover and and I think their approach to customer service is really smart in terms of how they handle things like returns and how they handle contributions from those returns so so I'm gonna go with chewy um 
I have cats, I lease a horse, I love animals. Um, National Park Service, which I think is a brand, right? Mm -hmm. um, I love our national parks. I love the history. I love the nature that they convey. I think they're an equalizer when people go on vacation. Who hasn't been to a national park? Um, and I think their social media has gotten really, really good um, over the years. And then I'm going to go with HBO, which um, I think the the storytelling um, and the the bold way that they try to have led the way in storytelling um, speaks to me. I don't know if I did the assignment right or not, but <laughs> there was no assignment. Um, what I love about the brands that you described is um, the association with nature and customer experience and storytelling and entertainment. And um, they're all very much lifestyle brands, which which makes a lot of sense given given what I know about you. You know, as we continue this conversation, can you share a bit about Brady and what the company does and, and why people may be uh, more familiar with it than they realize? Sure. So what I always say about Brady is, um, we're everywhere you look. You don't know us, but we're everywhere. Um, we make identification solutions. At our core, we do labels and they're very highly durable um, labeling for things like airplanes, um, the SpaceX, uh, marine usage. Like these are things that can withstand the test of time. So if you've ever been on an airplane, about 75% of all aircraft have Brady labels on the wires from tip to tail in an airplane. They have labels that have to meet very unique specifications. We make those. That's just one example. Um, we kind of say we we identify people, places, and products. So um, three out of four babies born in the U.S. have a Brady wristband on them, the mother mother baby um, matching wristband. Those are just a few examples. Um, we're largely in the industrial space. So um, if you're anywhere in a public building, there's probably something that has been labeled by Brady. Um, electricians know us well um, in particular. Um, we're in wire shops, you name it. So kind of hard to explain, but but I usually just say we're everywhere you look. And yeah. And our purpose, we talk about, you know, having a purpose statement. Um, it is to help make the world a safer and more productive place. So we are really focused on making sure that people get home safely at the end of the day um, from their jobs and are able to do their work more efficiently. That's where the labeling and, and identification comes in. Yeah. And how would you describe the role that you play in the corporation? I, I know sure. that it's specific to corporate communications and social mm -hmm. responsibility. Can you talk about some of those day-to-day -day responsibilities? Yeah, and I wear a couple different hats. Yeah. Sometimes hour to hour, I have to kind of <laughs> shift what I'm doing. We are a global company, global publicly traded company. Um, I sit in our corporate headquarters in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And um, corporate communications, I'm supporting our executive leadership team when we might be communicating on strategy or key initiatives, um, certainly anything that might come up that's been an issue or anything we're really wanting to promote internally. Um, I lead our foundation, our philanthropic foundation, so our community giving in the communities where we operate, as well as sort of some of our outreach. 
And then taking on DEI or diversity, equity, and inclusion has been something new in the last year um, and has kind of been a nat natural progression for me because um, I have a passion for it. We, as a company, recognized we want to do more in the DEI space. I used to lead our Women's Leadership Alliance. Um, and so I have taken on that role as well in the last year. And I know you're responsible for um, a lot of internal initiatives that we're going to talk about, but you're also mm -hmm. responsible for external initiatives and social responsibility. So when you prioritize and choose the external initiatives that you're going to lean into, what is the synergy between that and 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 Brady products and services that you offer? Sure. Um, and when we're talking external, at least in my role, we're talking really kind of that community outreach and engagement. Um, our marketing out to customers really sits within our business business units. Um, so when we're thinking about how Brady connects to the community um, communities that we serve, we have a we will always have a huge need for STEM talent. We um, pride ourselves on our R and D work, on our innovation. I mentioned these labels that have to have really unique qualities. So people with material science backgrounds, engineering background. So where I'm looking at is how can we continue to build the next generation of engineers and STEM, um, STEM talent. The products are a little bit harder to connect from for my initiatives, but I think it's looking at what does the Milwaukee community or the Buffalo, Buffalo, New York community have in the pipeline for talent and how can Brady support some of that? Yeah, it's such a wonderful way to um, uh, seek out the, the the latest talent and bring them into the organization by connecting with them and supporting them in their in their current pursuits of education or whatever they're up to at this moment. And we do it through the foundation. We do it through volunteering. Um, we have people who are out teaching, you know, classes at the Discovery World Museum um, on on adhesives and electrical systems and stuff that's not exciting to everybody, but is, you know, really cool and hands on. Yeah, it seems that way. And your internal responsibility. So can you share a few of those efforts that you lead? One thing I'm excited about is trying to instill more of a culture of inclusion and diversity within the organization. So a lot of companies will have ERGs, which are employee resource groups. Um, and so since I've moved into this role that I have, we've been working to not only expand those groups, um, but really add some form and function to what they're doing and give employees an opportunity to play a role in what we're doing um, around inclusivity and feel like they're a part of the company and that they belong. Um, communications ties right into that. Um, we really want people to feel like they're part of everything that we're doing. So whether that's being involved in an employee group and you know networking and having access to these different guest speakers and training opportunities, whether that's giving us feedback through our employee engagement surveys, that's another thing we've we've done here and that I've been responsible for helping communicate on. Um, or things like we have um, innovation challenges. So a lot of companies do something like that as well, where we're looking for anyone's idea for a new product or a new process improvement, building the communications around that so that people can understand what we're looking for and, and, and getting excitement around that. Um, 
there's kind of a whole lot of ways to answer your question, but it's around getting people to collaborate, to feel like they're a valued part of the organization. Yeah. And I also know that a big part of your responsibility is helping your leadership team communicate new strategies and initiatives. Yep. Um, and, and I know you're doing this among a global workforce of, mm-hmm. what was it, 5,800 or so people? That, I think we're at 5,700 5,700, so. somewhere. Give I or take a in, few. <laughs> I knew it was in that neighborhood. So yeah. what are some of the biggest challenges that you face yeah. when it comes to aligning and motivating such a diverse global workforce? And, and what do you do to overcome those challenges to communicate what leadership is looking to instill? I think the biggest thing to recognize is that it can't it can't really be a one size fits all approach mm. and that you know the world is a big place and each country and each region has different not only communication styles but different we're organized differently each group is led a little bit differently so we have to think about not only what is our message, but who are those messengers. And so a challenge becomes, you know, you're not just one person who's a voice coming down on high. You need to think about how you're cascading the messages or maybe how you're tailoring some of that for a different part of the world. So we're structured regionally right now. So what matters in Europe might not matter or might matter differently um, to some of our Asian countries both in terms of how we're talking about it and what we're talking about. So a lot of times what we'll do, um, we might start with a message from our CEO, um, but we'll follow that up with something from our regional presidents or from the sales leader that then starts to drill down deeper into what matters to that smaller group of people. Can't just broad brush everything. Yeah, it makes makes a ton of sense. And I know that Sometimes it's tricky to balance those objectives with employee feelings and motivations. Mm-hmm. And I know one really big test recently was a, a global restructuring that you were a part of yeah. um, rolling out. So what what were you charged with for that effort? Sure. That was really interesting. And I think it was exactly a year ago that we we actually launched it, like wow. today, um, right around, right around <laughs> exactly a year ago. Um, So we had been um, organized into different divisions based on kind of our product offering and go-to-market strategy. And as the world has evolved, um, we restructured into regional um, divisions. So Americas and Asia have a leader and our our European and Australian team have a leader. And that because we're a publicly traded company and because we were realigning all of this, um, we had a lot of things we had to follow from a public announcement standpoint. And then at, to your point, a lot of a lot of weight on how we were going to do it internally. Um, it was a lot of planning, a lot of preparation, a lot of very detailed timelines. We had a core group of people who were obviously in the know and doing, I would argue, much harder work than I had to do on thinking through how the the structure was going to actually go. Um, But then when it came down to putting messages together, um, we did just as I talked about. We had a message coming from our CEO. We had follow-ups from the new regional presidents. And then each leader had an expectation that day or the next day to be doing some town halls and follow-ups. We spend a lot of time reviewing communications. At one point, I had an Excel sheet of every question we could think of 
And then we took those questions and some we moved into the, the actual email communication. Some became sets of FAQs. Um, we did a couple town halls. So we did a virtual, it was a hybrid actually town hall with our CEO so that people could be face-to-face and online. Um, and he's always taken a, a stance of any question is fair game. Um, and, and people absolutely did that. I think what we did really well was think through anything that could come up um, and then figure out how to address it. And and we had a couple of guiding principles um, as we were thinking about it. Is it true? Are we transparent? And is it easy to understand? Mm. And if we could answer those questions, then I felt pretty good about um, putting that in there. So so for for that for that uh, reorganization and mm-hmm. for all of the other things you're doing, it mm-hmm. seems like anticipating potential um, concerns and mm-hmm. keeping people motivated are a really big part of what you're doing. Are there any specific ways um, that you've been going about, you know, collecting information, um, hear, hearing the pulse of what people are thinking and feeling and um, really understanding what matters to the employee base so that you can be sure to address their concerns in the best possible ways? So I like to think because I went to school for journalism, I'm really good at asking a lot of questions um, and being curious and maybe being a little nosy. So I think a lot of what I did was just keeping my ear open, um, talking to people. In the case of the restructuring, I you know, I couldn't go to a broad group of people, but as many people as I could involve in offering their input and their thoughts, because again, our sales leader is going to think about something that our HR person isn't, you know, the the finance manager's got a team of 20, they're going to have different questions. So, so some of it is just me going to as many people as I can and trying to figure out like, what am I missing? Yeah. And have you ever found yourself in a situation where you were charged with communicating something and you really had to work through the specific way you were going to do it so that it maybe the brief wasn't as clear as how you executed? All the time. I love words. So I will sit there and rewrite and rewrite and rewrite forever. Um, I, I have, I learned a number of years ago, um, especially dealing with attorneys because right there, there are many times in corporate communications that you need to have legal review is um, saying, here's what I want to say. Can I say it this way? And then if they say, no, it needs to be this way. It's a negotiation sometimes um, on how you're talking. So I've done that a lot of here's what I need. Here's the message I want to convey, or here's the tone and spirit let's work together and get this message the best we can. It really is a collaborative approach. Yeah. And I, I suspect going through your mind at all points is how are they going to feel when they hear this message? And I'd love for you to talk about the importance of that, the importance of addressing how employees feel in -hmm. the workplace at all times when they're getting new information. Um, I, I think you have to try to be as honest and transparent as you can. Um, One thing I think is important is share what you can. And sometimes it's okay to say, here's what we don't know, or I don't know this yet. Um, I referenced our employee engagement survey, and we think it's really important to share 
high level what some of those results are and what we're doing as a company to respond to that. But we've also been clear of here's what we don't think will change. And I think as long as people, as long as you're leveling with people and you're open and honest about that, um, people can live with that. They might not love the answer, but you've given them an answer. Um, and sometimes you just have to sit with that. And that's yeah. a hard thing to do sometimes is you want to tell everybody what they want to hear. And that's just not always possible. But people it, live with it because you've been honest with them. Is there an example of of an initiative that you've um, you've launched at some point that you're just really proud of how it turned out? Something that people are really um, excited about and you were like, yeah, I'm glad we did that. I mean, I am proud of how the the restructuring um, communications went. Um, obviously, there was a point where it was out of my hands and into the business leaders, you know, to continue to drive it. But I, I am really proud of how all of that came together and and went through um, on a much smaller scale. But um, something I'm really proud about here on our diversity and equity and inclusion work Um we're still new to it. I'm kind of new to to the world of you know formalized DEI programming, but we've launched a series of panels around inclusion, um, discussion panels, which is something we've not really done before. And so we did one in June around Pride Month, and then we did one earlier this month, which kind of coincided with Veterans Day, not really intentionally, but it did. And so I brought together five, in each case, um, diverse employees. We had people sitting in the room and online, and we had a really lovely couple of conversations around how to be a good ally, um, how to look out for one another, why inclusivity and allyship um, is actually a business imperative, that it helps with a collaborative environment. You know, if you're not being inclusive, you're not being collaborative. Um, and so those were really cool conversations to have. And we got really nice feedback from people that they were just glad these conversations were happening um, and that they felt seen. You know, we had representatives from the LGBTQ community. We had a veteran. Um, we have people of color. We had people talking about mental health. Um, the fact that we even talked about mental health in such a regular and public forum um, people were really touched by that and really happy that we started those conversations. So it's a small thing, but I feel like it really is starting to make a difference. Yeah. I, I love those stories and thank you for sharing them. I'm, you know, my work is all around this idea of creating what I call limbic sparks, those moments when emotional motivation meets brand desire. And often that's about uh, brands and customers. And I know your focus mm -hmm. is more often your brand and the community and your brand and its employees. What do you believe are the best ways to create limbic sparks in that context? So I think as long as you're having fun, you start to have some sparks show up, right? So you can't fake that passion. Um, and that's, that's where I think it comes from. Um, we have to feel like we're having fun and we're enjoying this. Yeah. And so many brand leaders are still neglecting this power of emotion and emotional insights in the work that they do. Um, why do you think that's the case? I mean, I think some of it is it's hard to get it right. Um, certainly where I'm sitting right now, you're afraid you're going to do the wrong thing. Um, it might not feel like it's the right tone. Um, I can see sitting here in a B2B 
industrial space, you're like, well, why does emotion, you know, where does emotion fit in? We're selling labels, right? Um, but our, my friend, um, our creative director always likes to say, at the end of the day, we're still selling to people. They just happen to be at work, right? Like we're still selling to people. They still have emotions. And you're still, whether you're driving things like the emotion around safety, or I just want my job to be easier, the relief of making your job easier, those are all emotions, right? Um, it's not just happy, sad, angry. Um, so I think it's thinking about what is the right balance around the rational and the emotional on a brand like ours. As a brand leader, what is it you know now that you wish you knew years ago, maybe something that others can learn from? Um, I think our role and my role is to be helpful, but not to necessarily dictate. Um, and that can be hard sometimes, but especially when you're a global brand, um, we can't, I can't see every touch point. I don't know what everyone is doing everywhere. And I shouldn't because I don't know how, you know, something in Europe is going to translate or play out. So I think it's trying to be helpful be helpful maybe with a little bit of an agenda. Um, but our role, my role is to be helpful and, and not dictate everything because it's not going to go the way um, you planned. Um, and I also think it's about being inclusive in your process, whether that's an external or an internal campaign. The more voices, the more eyes you have on something, the more ears on something, the less likely you can make a mistake because all, um, all perspectives are represented. Absolutely fabulous. I'm so glad that we had this conversation. Kate, thank you so much for joining me on Let's Talk Limbic Sparks. Thank you for having me. This was super fun. For more, go to limbicsparks.com.